years ago, Hope Turner stole this girl's lunch. Isn't that funny? I'm Michael O'Favor. And I'm Ryan Matlock. We're two kindergarten graduated fans of Beyond Gilead. And today we're reviewing 9-5 School Grays by Lori Twitchell. So join us for episode 115 on our return to Gilead. Here's the summary for today's episode. John Morrison finds himself in the middle of two confrontations with bullies, one with Monica Richter and another inside his own home. Uh, Ryan, this episode made me feel very uncomfortable in a way that the last episode didn't really. But when I was remembering, thinking through all of Gilead and which ones were my least favorites, it was this one and an episode in season 11 that were my least favorites. And this one... I, I still, it's not, I don't think it's as rough as Closer Than a Sister or The Heart of the Treasure, but I, I still think there's some severe problems with this episode. And I hate that this is multiple episodes in a row that we've talked about this, but it's kind of important to get this out. So what do you think about this episode right off the top here? I think that as far as the lesson, it sort of seems to be mostly trying to push through. It almost got there but leaned far too heavily into making a protagonist a unabashed bully, but not giving them a comeuppance that they deserved for doing so. And not giving them a motivation for doing what they did. That too. It's like if we just plopped Jimmy Barkley down and suddenly he was the worst kid ever. And then by the end of the episode, he learns, oh, I really shouldn't be the worst kid ever. That wouldn't be compelling, it would be confusing. It's worse than that. It's like Jimmy Barkley is a bully throughout the entire episode, and there are multiple scenes of him acting as a bully, but nothing changes. And then the last scene is getting somebody to go up into Wonderworld, and that person falls out and gets hurt. And then his comeuppance is talking about how he shouldn't have convinced that one person to go up. And the rest right. of his actions just are unaddressed. That's Hope Turner right. in this episode. Doing yeah. really stupid things, really irritating me throughout the entire episode for several scenes in a row and we'll break down exactly what she does and then in the end coercing somebody to climb a tree them getting hurt and then at the end her crying like oh i didn't mean for her to get hurt i didn't mean for that to happen and then the parents not addressing the fact that she was taking another girl's lunch and making her go without lunch yeah and the the teachers are doing nothing about this no Apparently not. Apparently, how we we uh, we just have a parent teacher conference and say, "Hey, so you might want to address the theft oh. in your child." This upset me right here. This clip right here. I mean, <laughs> I I don't mean to be upset. I don't want the return to Gilead listeners to think, "Man, Michael's just looking for ways to be upset." I'm sorry. This is the episode that we got. Here's no, the clip you of should the day. all know. If anyone is going to not look for a way to get upset at an episode, it's Michael. Just go ahead and find the very first time that we ever did an, a podcast together. It was on the Scoopcast. Yes. Here I was, small little, trying to impress <laughs> Kevin McCreary and Garrett Vandenberg. And so they're well, Kevin wasn't on the podcast. Su- I, I've never actually talked Oh, that's talked right. Well, no. So that's, when I, that's how I started on the, the Scoopcast. Yeah, oh, though, fair. Okay. Kevin, my first time I was like reviewing an episode with Kevin and Garrett. And they had all these things that were like, oh, I don't like this about it and this about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've got to impress these guys and also be cynical about Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And so that was how I learned to review at first. And then Michael shows up on the podcast and he's like, uh, actually, 
I I see all these positives, and I was like, oh, that's refreshing, Aww. and I can't believe that I thought cynicism was cool. <laughs> Here's a clip from that podcast. I think it worked in this case, but it's a fine line. Yeah, I don't think it worked in this case. Hmm. <laughs> this is Lee Ace Sorry, and the I, voice I'm of gonna... positivity on the Odyssey Scoopcast. <laughs> this is Gareth Vandenberg, I guess, the voice of extreme negativity on the Odyssey Scoopcast. Yeah, so that's a blast from the past. That was 2019. It, that wasn't released until 2020 because it, editing, reasons. Things like that. So if anyone is going to be the negative Nancy here, it's me, not <laughs> Michael. With that said, let's listen to this infuriating clip. You know, <laughs> the other day in the lunchroom, she had five different kids give her parts of their lunch. What? One little girl had been going without sandwiches for nearly a week because Hope keeps taking them. But uh, I fix her lunch. Oh Apparently it's not as good as the lunches some other moms are sending. Oh, I am so sorry, oh, Mrs. No, Walker. No, honey, honey, listen, we'll take care of this right away, oh, Mrs. Walker. I figured you would. We've never had problems like this with any of the other Morrisons. Yeah, well, uh, Hope's a new challenge, yeah. Let's add a little bit of context. In the second <laughs> Sometimes scene... Sometimes she takes the sandwich. <laughs> Let's add a little bit of context. Back in the second scene, Mary sees that Hope is being a total jerk. And I want to use much more forceful language, but that's the most forceful I can use it. She is being a complete jerk to Mike and, and Tim. Mike, I, I don't even think he's cheating there. He just moves a little bit too quickly and scores a, just, a shot. He on sort of Haley. starts the game really quick. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Haley goes, Mike, that's not fair. And he's like, sorry, you weren't ready. And and Maya's like, Michael, and and all that. And then Hope starts to go, Mike's a cheater, and he can't play without cheating. And then they go on for a little bit more, and Haley bumps into Tim and knocks him over, and Tim goes, oh, whoa. And she's like, Tim, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I just I just get my knee. I'll be fine. And Hope goes, cry, baby, cry, baby, wah, wah. And, and she goes on like that. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Where is this coming from? And Mary does the good thing and goes, uh, Hope, what's uh, what's what's going on? And she pulls her aside, and instead of and instead of just saying like this isn't good, you shouldn't be doing this, she goes into why. Like, are you sure you want to make your your friends feel your your siblings or like your foster siblings feel that way? Are you like is is that really what a cheerleader should be doing? And I, I liked that part of the conversation, but then after the scene we just played, John and Mary go, I can't believe we didn't see this coming. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And the teacher, in the meantime, is saying one girl had to go without sandwiches for weeks because Hope kept taking them. What? Isn't that funny? Where are the teachers? What is this kindergarten that Hope is allowed to make a gang or a clique or something? And they're like, yeah, she's she has this this whole crew called the like the the Kinder Club, the Kinder Kids. No, it's called the Kindy Kids. She said that at the beginning of the episode. You better get the name right, and you should have stepped in and stopped this clique from forming among these kindergartners. And she's like, oh yeah, her academics are wonderful and and all this, but also she then at the end of like class one time, she stood on her chair and assigned teams to everyone and ordered everyone out to recess. And the teacher didn't know what to do. All the kids just listened to Hope. What what are you, what are the Morrisons doing, sending their their daughter to this kindergarten? Yeah, I think if I like I'm a bit biased because I plan to homeschool anyway yeah but if I was sending my child to this school and this is what my teacher said or this is what the teacher of my child said I would be like okay so first off your teacher is incompetent and can't keep one child from telling the other kids to go to recess and two the staff is incompetent because they can't keep a child from stealing the other kids lunches you all clearly know about this 
and have not done anything to stop it. You just decide that the point of your lives is to let things happen with the kids all day and then tell me about it later. And apparently everything revolves around hope because the only time they step in is when another student gets hurt and then they just mention, oh yeah, Hope's been kind of acting this way, but she's great. Maybe she just needs a little bit of a talking to. What about all these other kids that she was bullying? (laughs) Did you talk to those kids' parents? Huh? Do we get any indication of that? I probably no, no, I don't think no. so. And this goes worse. It, it goes even farther than this. So hope in bullying these kids and in doing these things to them, Mary makes the point at the end, like, no, you didn't make her do it, but you manipulated her just like Monica was trying to manipulate John. If John had done, had done that and had called up, what's it? What's that guy's name? Gerald. It's Gerald, Gerald Wilson, right? That's his name. Something like that. That's it. I'm going to, I'm going to look this up. Gerald Mason. That's it. If John had gone ahead and called up Gerald Mason and tried to coerce him to give up his property, then John wouldn't have been made by Monica to do that because John is an adult and John is responsible. But Hope is a child who has lived more experiences than a five-year-old should have lived. And she's being put in with other five-year-olds. One, she should have a lot more supervision to make sure that this doesn't happen. But two, she knows exactly what she's doing. You were saying this before, and I didn't really believe you, but I believe you now. How am I supposed to believe that Hope has no idea what was going on and that she didn't know what she was doing was wrong? And she doesn't know why she's doing what she's doing. Because when she's manipulating these kids, they don't know better. They're listening to a person in authority, and that's proven by the scene that we don't even get to see in an episode. What if we'd actually got to see that scene of her ordering the kids out? I think that'd be a much better scene than what we got. But if we get her ordering the kids around and treating herself like an authority and the kids are listening to her, those kids aren't responsible for their own actions. They're five. Why are you expecting them to be responsible for that? But Hope clearly knows what she's doing. I, unless you want to argue that she doesn't. No. <laughs> it's, it's different. The lesson is different. It's not you weren't responsible, but you still manipulated. It was you have so much more influence on them because of your experiences and you've been using it for evil. <laughs> Don't yeah. do it. Just just like, can you imagine if we took this episode, like we can imagine why this episode might fly with a lot of people. And that's because, well, we know Hope. She's a sweet little girl. But let's pretend this was Maya Richter back when she wasn't a Christian. Or this is Tiffany. If Tiffany was doing this and the teacher was just like, hey, so Tiffany's been stealing everyone's lunches and telling everyone what to do. She's a great student. But (laughs) if you could just, you know, and then Monica and Tom Richter take her back and they're just like, hey, so that was bad because it's kind of rude. And it, they only. And we're do not it. even going to talk about stealing the food. Yeah. We're we're only going to focus on the breaking someone's leg. I have a bigger problem with the school, because I mean I, I also got a problem with Mary and John here. But the the problem is that Mary and John couldn't step in because the school wasn't telling them that these things were happening. But then when these things did happen, they weren't addressed. So it's like yeah. if Tiffany, if that whole thing with the academic dishonesty, if that had happened. And that was the only thing that the Richters talked to Tiffany about. And yet Tiffany had also been doing little things here and there throughout an entire episode that the sum total of which added up to something worse than somebody falling out of a tree. Yeah. I think the other thing that I felt was a bit strange in this episode is this whole lesson. Like, it seems pretty clear that the goal was to have a lesson about, hey, when you have power and you use that to hurt people, that's 
bad. And you shouldn't do that because Jesus is our example. He had all the power in the world and he didn't use it for evil. He didn't use it to get ahead in the world. He used it to be a servant. I think that's a fantastic lesson. Quote, he used it to yell at a storm. <laughs> so Did much. He? Yeah, Did he yeah. yell? <laughs> I, think he just, I think he just said, be quiet. Yeah, he, yeah. He that's quieted what, the waves. That's what, that's what happened. But anyway, I think that's a fantastic lesson to teach kids. Sure. And they get very close. This was what I was saying at the beginning of the episode. That they get pretty close in that they're talking about this in the context. Uh, it's a two-prong approach where they have... Mr. Morrison dealing with that in his life and him doing the right thing and then Hope trying to do the same thing, but in the other direction, she's doing the wrong thing. I think that's a great initial premise for an episode that if they had cut the part where she's going crybaby, crybaby, wah, wah, because that has nothing to do with using your power to harm others. That's just being annoying. Yeah. What about the part of her making an extremely toxic click? I mean, I think you can keep that. I think that maybe she needs to have, like, take out the crybaby scene and start with a scene where she's maybe a little uncertain at kindergarten and she sees someone else ordering people around and they're like, hey, kid, if you want to get attention, then you got to be a little bit more forceful. Do like I do. That is our neutral space. That's our protagonist. Sure. Something like that. And then leads the leads hope into this and hopes like, hey, just having confidence happens to be quite useful when you're around a bunch of kids without confidence. And she then moves into that space and she starts the click and she starts progressively like maybe it starts out like, hey, this is just a click where we can all play games. But then when there's disrest among them, she taps into that confidence and tries to use it to take control of the situation and do what she wants. And then that power becomes intoxicating to the point that she gets to the point that she's ordering kids into trees. Maybe it makes even more sense if she orders the kid into the tree, not on some random, like, how are we going to, this is your initiation so that we know that you're awesome. Maybe it's more like the Frisbee stuck in the tree. Go get it. (laughs) Yeah. My Frisbee stuck in the tree. Go get it because I don't want to, unless you're too chicken. Oh, okay. Or something like that. Like something that makes a little bit more sense as far as hope gradually getting to this point. Oh, yeah. yeah, Bullying people. Mm, Okay. Okay. And we need to see that like in a good three act structure starting off. She's uncertain. And then this happens. Act two, she's starting to be more assertive and we see the consequences of those actions, but also see how there's a way out. Act three, something happens and she learns from it. Yeah. Contrast that with what we get here, which is a two act structure for both John and Hope, which is why I don't even I don't even appreciate the way John handled the situation. Oh, tell me more. John should have said no to Monica right away. The response should have been, yeah. Monica, I know who you are. Uh, you're telling me, good, then you'll take care of this. He's going, uh, no, Monica, you no. have proven that you have enough influence in this town to talk to him yourself. I have too many jobs to do around town. I'm not going to take care of this thing for you. You know where he lives. You know who he is. You know the offer you'd make better than I do. Talk to him yourself and get out of my office. I agree with you, but I, I think you're not going far enough. She, he should have said no right away, like when she walked through the door and she was like, <laughs> hi, John. He should have said no and just closed the door. <laughs> Granted, he eventually comes around to it and he goes even farther than, than I think he should and talks to Gerald Mason. But even with John, we have a two-act structure. He starts off not wanting to go along with Monica and it ends with a conclusion where he doesn't go along with Monica. 
with Hope. It starts off with a point where she's bullying people around and ends with a climax after she's bullied people into somebody getting hurt. There is no there is no first act. There is no setting up. This is how this person there's no build up. Yeah, there's or, not. Or, for yeah, like in one, there's no build up. And in the other, there's no midpoint of conflict. It's just, yeah, no. Right. And we're good. There, parapatea is the word of the day. The, the the twisting, the changing of the of the story as the story sw- like flips back and forth. Yeah. Parapatea. It's a, it's a Greek term. It's in your second act. And there is no parapatea in this story. Yeah. And even in the end, when they try to tie it all together so that it's like, okay, like we're trying to figure out how to make some seamless interweaving of these two plots the way that we get that is just hope suddenly piping up and being like hey mr morrison uh why does mrs richter bother you oh out of the blue yeah for no reason do you remember that yeah i remember that it was she she was being pressed on an issue and then she changes the subject yeah to something that remarkably has everything to do with the subject yeah but i think the reason there is she's trying to say I, isn't is she saying in that scene she's trying to use her power and i think that you could as well and i was trying to do what you were doing because she also says in one of the scenes you know judge john morrison is my dad and like he chose me because i'm super special so you better listen to me sure yeah i so think I, that yeah. all of that just seems to go against who she seems to be as a character too because she starts out thinking i'm not special. I'm just me and I'm going to continue getting passed around because no one loves me. But that's fine. I'll live with it. And some of the people will be terrible and I might be cynical about life as a result. But, you know, it's life. Then the Morrisons say, we're going to keep you. And she's like, I like that a lot. And then she j- goes to school and suddenly she's like, you know, Judge Morrison loves me so much and I'm so important. And it's like, where did this come from? Yeah. We needed that first act structure where this comes from anywhere. And she says in the final act, I don't know. I don't know why I do it. And that's okay, I guess, if a little kid acts that way. But I have to return to the question, why is this something that I want to listen to as an audio drama? Why does this make for good story? What if it, you had yeah. shown a very childlike way that she comes to it like a a very simplistic thing if she sees somebody else acting this way so she does it or she just does it accidentally among her friends and all of a sudden they're like oh sure sure i'll go along with it she's like hey that 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 actually felt pretty good and we see that build up it doesn't have to be anything deep necessarily but we don't even get (laughs) this episode doesn't even try yeah and Uh. the way that it wraps up is a bit disappointing in my opinion too because Again, they're talking about Jesus and how he used his power. But the ending, as far as how Hope responds to it, I wrote down in my notes, I don't think Hope learned anything about power responsibility. She yeah. starts out feeling bad for the kid falling out of the tree, but Sorry. that's not the issue. The kid falling out of the tree is the symptom of the bigger problem, and the parents are trying to tell her that. The issue is using your a power for personal and selfish reasons, but she doesn't seem to absorb this. Like, she finishes the conversation, and she's like, am I still in trouble? Yes. Then are you of taking me back? Of course you are. are you, yeah, and so the conversation turns entirely into something else. It's not, okay, I understand, I shouldn't use my power to hurt people. It turns into, oh no, we love you even though you make mistakes. And, like, while there's a time and a place for the whole... 
there's consequences for our sin, but God still loves us and still wants a relationship with us conversation. There is a time and place for that conversation. It's not here, unless that's the point of the episode. I don't think it should be, though. And even Zach, in the end, that's what he says. He says, like, that. he doesn't even talk about power. He doesn't talk about hurting people. He says, there are consequences for the mistakes we make, but we're still loved. I don't know if that's a direct quote, but it's ba- that's basically what he says. How does that apply to John? Does it? Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. The whole theme that we were supposed to be building towards in this episode gets completely dropped the moment that Hope says, am I still in trouble? And mm. now the episode is about something entirely different for the next three minutes. Justice for... Let's see. <laughs> Justice for the kids to sandwiches. Yeah. Justice for the girl who... I, I'm thinking her name is Sydney. The, the poor girl whose sandwiches were, to, were taken and she had to go without lunch for a week. No, we don't care about it. You know, her. I still haven't made those Timmy shirts. Maybe I'll make a shirt that says Justice, Justice for, for Sandwich Sydney. Girl. <laughs> we, need to, we need to have those out sometime before the end of this or else we have failed Probably. as podcasters. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, yeah, I, I would say I still think the Heart of the Treasure misses the mark more than this one does because I didn't even I didn't even agree with the theme in that one but this one I can get behind the theme of don't manipulate people sure and no matter what you do you're always still loved sure but I genuinely disagree with the theme last one uh, last time of you need to figure out what your needs are versus your wants because that doesn't cut to the heart of the issue that is an extremely surface level issue yeah combine that with Forrest Wakeman doing the music and I I don't think it was a a good score. You can go through and you can check the the like the different ways that he transitions from scene to scene. The the score is just hiding in the back behind the dialogue. It kind of comes in randomly and then it just stays for a little while. And then there'll be times like where it just ends on that one chord and it feels like, okay, is that the resolution? Is that the end of the scene? I, I don't know. I don't know. It it's it's something of where I I feel like even back in it's a little things Forrest Wakeman's score was better in that one. But here, I distinctly remember thinking in this episode when I when I heard it, oh, something's going on with the music. What what happened here? And that doesn't usually happen with music for episodes. But it was just another little thing that kind of pulled me out of the experience for it. Sure. Pun rating for this episode. I'm still trying to figure out. Like, it, it's a weird... What does the title mean? <laughs> I don't know what it's... Is it supposed to be like school grade? You sure... But grays? Or maybe it's like school days? School days. Yeah, that's it. But it's grays because Hope is kind of grazing her fellow classmates, For I guess. sandwiches? One oh, well, that, that actually makes even more sense. So, uh, six out of ten, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, can we go to the raps? Sure. I really do feel bad about how negative these episodes have been. I don't want this to continue, Ryan, but hopefully we will have some more positive episodes to cover soon on the podcast. Thankfully, the next episode is Much Ado About Something Else. Yes! Or Much Ado About Something. So, yeah, that's that's a fun episode. I am looking forward to nitpicking that one, too, if we have to, but also talking about the return of Anna Townsend in a very dramatic way. Anna Townsend? We haven't seen her since season six i'll find that out when we review that episode but 
Ryan, is there a way that people can tell us that we're being too overly negative on, on this podcast or that we're being perfectly fine on this podcast? Well, there's only the positive option. Unfortunately, the negative results, I think we end up censoring those. Or, well, maybe we do, maybe we don't. And if you want to test that and find out, <laughs> send your negative feedback to returntogilead.com. <laughs> if you want to not test that, send your positive feedback to anchor.fm. <laughs> Either way, it's fine. We need to head out of here. I am whacked. Well then, in that case, I'm Ryan. (laughs) And I'm Michael. That never gets less awkward, does it? No, I just don't (laughs) know when you're done. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you all in the next episode as we once again return to Gilead. Gilead.